Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V, the Grill Economist, coming to you live with my main man, CJ, working the airways. And we have with us the man who needs no introduction himself. The one and only Harley Schlanger is with us. You can get Harley over at the LaRoucheOrganization.com, the LaRoucheOrganization.com, as well as the Institute.com as well. Tomorrow, they are putting on a 9-11 symposium. Make sure you guys register, sign up, and you can watch it live. And with that being said, Harley, how are you, sir? I'm fine, V. Good to talk to you. Always a pleasure talking to you, Harley. Lots of things going on. Where do you want to begin? Well, it's it's hard to know where to begin, but I, I think one of the things that, that I'm focused on is watching the hysteria of Tony Blair. Oh, God, who, the war criminal. Well, he just did a, a an online seminar yesterday with the Washington Post where he went so far as to say, Everything we've done the last 20 years in these wars was justified. There is no such thing as a never-ending war. There's never-ending vigilance that if we're not committed to the long term, we'll be taken over by Islamic fundamentalism, Russia, and China. And he said, he, he even said he knows that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction that are still hidden somewhere. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Now, what a demented this- individual he is. A demented, deluded, brain-rotted, fetid, feckless individual. And immoral on top of that. Oh, sick. But here's the point. Who's he speaking for? He's a member of the Privy Council, which is the inner circle of the elites of the British monarchy. Now, that in itself doesn't mean he's powerful. It means he's representing the interests of of the the, um, British, the the city of London. Now, the city of London is twisting itself in knots right now, trying to figure out what to do about China. On the one hand, they thought they had a deal where they would become the main uh, controller of the yuan trade in the West. They thought they had a deal with China. They thought they had cleared that through the European Union. And now the Chinese are taking very strong measures against speculation, which has the British completely hysterical. There's this uh, finance company, and right now, I, you know the name. I can't remember the name. The Grand something or? Oh, Evergrande. Evergrande, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's like a big nothing burger at the end of the day. Well, what's interesting about it is it's it's got a lot of debt, which yeah, these kinds of these kinds of financial companies tend to have because they're it's all speculation. Mm -hmm. But the Chinese said they're not going to bail it out. Mm -hmm. And this is causing a a panic in London and Wall Street 
because the of the hundred billion dollars of outstanding debt, over half of it is owed to the City of London banks. Yep. And so they thought they had a deal, and then mm -hmm. the Chinese aren't living up to their agreement with us. Mm -hmm. The Chinese never intended to give the British hands-on control over their financial system. Correct. Unfortunately, in the United States, we did do that. We gave the British hands-on control, and that's why we have a Federal Reserve system, which is destroying the dollar and destroying the physical economy. Yep. I think it was two months ago that the Chinese government told Evergrande to start restructuring the debt, and meaning call your, call your debtors and uh, set up deals and leniency payments and whatnot, and which is what they did, and they did that uh, even six months prior, they've actually asked per regulation, reached out to their uh, their debtors in mainland China. I don't think reached out to the UK idiots, but uh, at, but at least in mainland China, they told them what was up and they're willing to work with them. You know, it, but it's amazing how the West also spun that because as soon as China says, "Yeah, we're not going to bail them out," they never said that we're not going to allow them to help restructure and set up debt settlement with some of their creditors, right? Which yeah. then the what I found fascinating is the West spun Evergrande as this is going to be the next Lehman Brothers. We're witnessing Bear Stearns. Yes. And I'm like, no, you're not witnessing Bear Stearns. And the markets took a dive. And what happened? The same Western individuals who were screaming bloody murder about Evergrande started to buy the dip. And here we are back again. Because the entire narrative is the Chinese are incompetent, a bunch of idiots. We're the smart geniuses in the room. Listen to us. Invest in our markets. Our markets are what? The most liquid markets in the world. And that's the shield that they're trying to play here. It's unbelievable hardly to witness this. Well, and, and, and the Chinese, they're also saying that China is now going to cut off foreign investment. They're not going to cut off foreign investment. No. They're going to cut off speculation. Correct. And that's because China has this commitment to put most of its credit into physical economy. Yeah. They had no problem with Evergrande when it was building houses and, and investing in communities. Uh, because the, what the Xi Jinping said when he made this, or as his finance minister said, is that we think houses are for living in, uh, as opposed to speculative investments. And you know what it reminded me of? George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life, the, yep. the great Frank Capra film about the Bailey, Bailey's savings and loan versus uh, Mr. Potter's uh, speculative bank. So... You know, China actually is somewhat of a throwback to a better era of when the United States yep. had banking under regulatory control. Glass-Eagle. Yeah. And what that meant, that didn't restrict the ability of banks to make money. It restricted their ability to set up speculative bubbles. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly correct. Because, there, look, the... Um, the Ponzi players have completely they're running out of they're running out of runway, Harley. And I'm I'm seeing that this they're all running out of runway, then all of a sudden they allow failed narco states, failed client states that they control, like El Salvador and Ukraine. All of a sudden they're out there saying oh, Bitcoin is wonderful. So the Ponzi players who hated Bitcoin, who hated cryptocurrency, now they're embracing it. Why is that? They, they're willing to sell you anything in order to keep the con going. It's unbelievable, Harley. Well, and that's what we see with the so-called Great Reset. This is, oh, yes. you know, people have all kinds of different views of this. Uh, the reality is that the system is finished. 
And the people who run the system know it better than anyone else. But they're not about to, to cash in their chips and run away. They still see that they can make more money. And that's, what they're, that's their nature. That's what they're inclined to do. They can never get enough. And so they'll use the quantitative easing policy. They'll use the, the bond purchasing policy and, and so on to get free cash from the Federal Reserve, not to shore up their bad debt. I mean, why aren't they writing down some of the bad corporate debt on their books? No, they're buying the stock in the companies that, that are about to go belly up because they know they can still make a profit from it. And this is where you see that we have a brain dead system. Yeah, absolutely. Now you see the same thing strategically. I mean, you know, I, I just, the, the hypocrisy of some of these statements, you know, Blair's idea that we should be back in Afghanistan, Lindsey Graham saying oh, we'll be back in Afghanistan soon. Uh, General Milley and others saying we need to have military humanitarian corridors. How's the military going to create humanitarian corridors when we couldn't control the country when we had tens of thousands of troops there? That's not going to work. What, and, and then they say, they, they lament how the women of Afghanistan are about to be uh, permanently destroyed by the Taliban, which you know is a danger. But the same people who are crying crocodile tears about the women of Afghanistan are withholding funds from the Afghan government that they need to feed those women and children. Correct. So, the and, question, now, and, and now we have, remember that, that young girl right before the Gulf War, the one that they paraded in front of the UN crying, stating that she witnessed the Iraqi soldiers coming in and kicking over baby incubators in, in Kuwaiti hospitals, that whole story. Yeah, who worked for some, uh, what is it, Hill and Knowlton? Exactly. Yeah. Total plant. Now we're having stories fly every single day coming out. The Taliban are machine gunning crowds. The Taliban are throwing acid into the faces of women. The Taliban are throwing children off the rooftops. The Taliban are, are, are going door to door hunting Americans. None of that is true. Is there going to be some people that are part of the Taliban? They're going to do some stupid things, maybe things that are not ordered because it is a kind of a ragtag organization. Yeah, there is. I'm sure it's going to have some attraction, but that happens even with the U.S. military, right? Yeah. But to say that this 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 hyper focus and and on hunting American citizens and women and children, folks, they're playing you. They're playing you again. Good. Well, and, and this is why we're having this seminar tomorrow. Yeah. Because we really need two, two things to go forward. First is we have to look at the whole arc of 40 years, going back to the Brzezinski plan of luring the Soviets in Afghanistan, arming the, the what became the Mujahideen to fight against the Soviets, and then letting them loose on the country when, we, when the Russians left. Then going back in after 2001, we still don't have the actual story of 2001. What we know is, and I, I can say this definitively, is that Osama bin Laden did not run 2001, September 11th, from a bat cave in Afghanistan. There may have been an element of bin Laden involved in this, but that wouldn't have worked without an inside job. And the best place to look for the inside job is to listen to what Bill Binney has to say. Binney was the technical director of the NSA at the time. He developed a program called Operation Thin Thread, 
which was a targeted surveillance, cyber surveillance program, which he said had the NSA kept with that, they would have been able to identify the people who ultimately were blamed for, for 9-11. That program, Thin Thread, was set to go in January 2001, and it was shut down by Michael Hayden, the general who was the head of the National Security Agency, who later became the CIA director. Hayden shut it down and instead put in a program called Trailblazer, which is what? This is what Snowden exposed. This was the metadata collection that surveilled every citizen, as though looking at your emails and CJ's emails and phone conversations would somehow tip them off to a terrorist plot. Yep. So they used 9-11 to set up the, the security state, the surveillance state, that they intended at the beginning of the Bush administration in January 2001. And V, this is one other point that I, I just think people need to hear. January 3rd, 2001, Lyndon LaRouche did a webcast and he said that within the year, the Bush administration is likely to carry out a Reichstag fire type event so as to be able to declare an emergency decree because the economy is gonna be in terrible shape and they're going to need to do something to have uh, an ability to have a top-down uh, crisis management government. That's what Lynn forecast in January of 2001. Nine months later, we had the Reichstag fire event. We had the surveillance state ready to go, the Patriot Act ready to go, the never-ending wars ready to go. And who benefited from all of this? The American people? Hell no. The, the so-called military-industrial complex. They were the ones who benefited from this, who want to continue the long wars. And, you know, the, the, we're, we're not out of this regime change long war scenario yet. Right. The fact that Biden pulled back from Afghanistan was necessary. I'm not even sure Biden pulled this back. It may have been people in the military. But if the idea is that now we're going to use the free energy given to us by getting out of the Middle Eastern wars to try to contain China and contain Russia, they're just not paying attention to what the true military experts are saying about the Chinese and Russian military capabilities in contrast to our lack of capabilities. We couldn't beat 60,000 Taliban in Afghanistan. Yeah. How are we going to take on the, the, the Russian army and the Chinese military? We, we need to have an alternative approach that is not geopolitics, but which is based on what should be our strength, which is an industrial revival of the United States that can then collaborate with other countries for global development. If we don't do that, we'll be in another war, and it won't be a forever war because eventually it'll end up with a nuclear war, which will wipe out man, the human race. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Harley, what else is on your radar? Well, the other thing that I think is really interesting is the problems they're having with this COP26 conference coming up in Glasgow, Scotland in November. This is the follow-up to the Paris Accord. Um, they thought that Boris Johnson would be able to use his influence and the, the influence of the U.S. and the European Union to stampede the rest of the world to go into the Green New Deal, the uh, carbon uh, CO2 bubble the carbon offset bubble and so on. They had everything they thought in place to have a 40 to $60 trillion 
slush fund that could be made available to the to the central banks and the the commercial banks to lend for the shift from the fossil fuel era to the era of so-called sustainability. The only thing they forgot about is sustainability doesn't produce enough electricity to keep the world going. And if you're going to go to countries that are poor, where less than half the population has access to electricity, and tell them that they'll get some money from the carbon bubble if they give up the right to have economic development, what do you think the reaction is going to be? Most of these countries are saying, hell no, we want coal fire plants, we want nuclear plants, we want development. The Australian uh, energy minister uh, said after the, the uh, UN said Australia has got to cut back on coal, he said that's a decision to be made by the Australian people, not some international organization, and we need coal. The Chinese, the Indians are uh, doubling down on coal. The Russians are increasing their, their coal mining and their production. And they're talking about clean coal. They're not talking about the, the coal from the slag heaps from Pittsburgh in the 1900s. But that doesn't matter. The people pushing the Green New Deal want to shut down development. It's not about climate change. It's about uh, ending sovereignty and having a uh, banker-run police force, making sure no nation has the right to develop. Well, it's not going to work. And so what, what's interesting is 1,500 environmental organizations banded together to say, maybe we should postpone this conference because the timing is not right. What was the excuse they gave? Coronavirus. Mm. That poorer countries would have to have their delegates spend 10 days in hotels for quarantine and they can't afford it. So since we want them to participate, why shouldn't we postpone this? Now, the reason they're postponing it is that those countries want to come to the climate conference to protest. Uh, John Kerry tried to bully the Chinese, the Australians and others to accept the carbon policy and the green bubble and so on and had no success. So I think we're seeing the, the resistance grow to this insane Malthusian idea, and even, and I know the, the people who hate Joe Biden will find this hard to believe, but the European press is now attacking Biden because he won't give up fracking, and he's continuing to allow offshore drilling and the continuation of fossil fuels. And the uh, Financial Times had an article today, or two days ago, saying that Biden is not so different from Trump the only difference is Trump pulled the U.S. out of the, the uh, Paris Accord. Biden put it back in, but the policies remain the same. Hunter probably still has investments with that. <laughs> oh, yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> well, that, that could explain part of it in terms of Biden. But the other thing is he's a phenomenal artist, by the way. I, I'm, I'm queued up to buy one of his uh, pieces. Well, I'd like to see an exhibit of his work and George W. Bush's work. Yeah, I want to see <laughs> I wonder what kind of influence polling George W. is doing these days. <laughs> I don't know. But in, in any case, what's interesting is that we had said from the beginning, the Green New Deal is not going to work. And it's not going to work because countries want to have the right to develop. They want their sovereignty. This is something that we should have seen coming. Uh, you can't use fake science to bludgeon a country into destroying its population. Uh, some countries will do that. Maybe the U.S. Congress would do it. 
But certainly the Indian parliament is not going to do it. The, the Chinese Communist Party is not going to do it to China. Putin's not going to let it happen in Russia. Even the Australians aren't going to let it happen in Australia. So this is a good, really good thing. So we, I think there's an opportunity now on a number of fronts to challenge the establishment narrative and to replace it not with a narrative, but with, with real economic development, with real science. And this is an opportunity that you know, your, your viewers should be very much excited about and actively involved in because it means we can get back to real economics as opposed to the fakery that's brought the, the world to a systemic financial collapse. Very well said, Harley. Folks, thank you all for listening in. And you can find Harley again at the LaRoucheOrganization.com, LaRoucheOrganization.com, as well as the SchillerInstitute.com as well. Harley, thank you so much for being on with us. Well, and v, let me just remind people again, tomorrow at uh, September 11th at 2 p.m. Eastern at the SchillerInstitute.com, we'll be live streaming the event uh, September 11th, 2021, the path away from 9-11, Afghanistan, and the surveillance state. We'll have Bill Binney, we'll have Ray McGovern, uh, we'll have a number of other speakers. I'll be co-moderating. So I would encourage people to log on to that. You can register for free. It's online. And uh, I think you'll find it well worthwhile. Absolutely. And with that being said, folks, thank you again and enjoy your weekends. Take it away, CJ.